The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You, have, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord. seated. In the readings from Isaiah this morning, I want to give just a bit of context first and say that up until chapter 54 of Isaiah, the entirety of that portion is written about the Israelites being in exile. It's all about um, them being taken from uh, Jerusalem and being sent to a northern place where they had to establish a kingdom in exile, and they were in captivity. And so they were in this constant um, back and forth of remembrance of what it was like in their land, the land that we talked about last week that they inherited, the land of flowing with milk and honey. We've now moved way past that. They've disobeyed the Lord, and they've been put into exile, into captivity. And today, in, in Isaiah, they are remembering, and they are um, having a bit of a, you know, a walk down memory lane, so to speak, nostalgia. And, um, and then even in Joshua, uh, it says, Joshua, they, they do the same thing in Joshua. It says, when they arrived at the water, in the captive land, they looked and they wept and remembered what it was like to live in the former land that God had given them, and God blessed them. And so, in their nostalgia, God blessed them. And um, today, though, he says, I have rolled away the shame of my people in Egypt, and no longer will it be called Egypt, but it will be called Gilgal, which is a pretty nasty name in itself. And he talks about don't think about the things of the past anymore, for I'm about to do a new thing. A new thing is coming. And there's some debate among scholars whether Isaiah was talking about, I'm going to restore you 
to your fortune and your land or of the coming of the Messiah. I probably would have to think that he were talking about both, um, I think, in the ultimate goal. But it brings to mind for me personally where it is that humanity, and especially me, and I think most of you, spend a great deal of our time, and that is in the past. That is where we have the tendency to stray to. Um, there was a, 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 a Pew charitable thing that was done, I think it was about eight or ten years ago, with people about, um, actually, believe it or not, it's so funny, I was listening to it, it's about daydreaming. And they wanted to know, when you daydream, what is it that you think of? And of course, you can imagine what most people think of, at least the ones that were telling the truth. You can imagine what they think, you know, most, of course, we all have that, what if I won the lottery daydream that lasts for about three or four minutes, and then you realize that's just too farcical. Um, where would I spend my money at? Would I be invited to go on that show on HGTV where I could show the type of house I was going to buy? You know, we all have that one. Um, we all daydream uh, maybe about reconciliation with a loved one whom we're separated from, which would be an important one. But the majority of us spend our time in nostalgia for some point in our life that we feel was either the best of times or the worst of times. If it's the worst of times and we're trying, we're trying in our mind to go back and figure out how can we fix what is broken, and if it's the best of times, we're constantly thinking about how can I get back to that place, when the truth of the matter is you can't. You can't go back. Today, God blesses them in their nostalgia, but He says, but stop and forget about all that because I'm about to do an amazing thing. Then when we move to Paul, Paul almost sort of does the same thing because he says, look at who I was, and then he talks for a moment about who he was as a Jew. He was a Jew among Jews, circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew from Hebrews to the law, a Pharisee, a zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness to the law, blameless. He killed people on behalf of his faith who professed Christianity. He was a Jew among Jews. And then he says in the very next sentence, but I count all of that, all of that in the past as loss in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. So he blesses momentarily his nostalgia and then he moves and transitions immediately into the here and now of where I am. And Jesus, too, does the same thing today. Jesus is amongst Lazarus and his two sisters, and who knows who else, for it's a dinner given in his honor. And you'll recall that Lazarus was raised from the dead. And immediately the writer, John, calls that to mind so that we remember we go back. You'll, you know, he'll, he says, you remember Lazarus, the one whom Jesus raised from the dead. And then he says, um, he's giving him a dinner on his behalf. And, um, and his sister comes along and pours this ointment, this nard 
um, on his feet to bless him for his burial. And Judah says, why is she doing that? We could have sold that for 300 denarii. Now, I want to pause right there because you've got the call to mind from the writer of the past where we spend just a moment in the blessing of the nostalgia of Lazarus. By the way, there has been countless novels written fictitionally about what Lazarus's life was like post-resurrection, and all of them are bad. Because I, I don't think you can really th- know what that must be like. Coincidentally, they're French too, but that has nothing to do with that. So, now, he, so, so he blesses them in that, and then we have Judas who says, we could have done this. Judas is trying to think about the blessing of what could have happened in the future, although we know what Judas is really thinking. But immediately, he skips to not the here and now, but to the future. And this is not the first time that this has happened in Lazarus's um, circle, especially with his sisters. You'll remember when they were waiting on Jesus at table, when Jesus was speaking, one of them was very concerned about the household and the food and the cleaning and everything that was going to happen down the road to make sure that it was prepared for, for the guests, and everything was just right, while the other one sat at the foot of Jesus, and Jesus said, she has chosen the better thing today because she has remained present here and now. Uh, Later today, in just a couple of hours, we'll have 13-year-olds that will sit here, and we will have the right 13 which for those of you that are not familiar with that, it's a wonderful service. It's sort of like a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah for uh, Christian kids of 13 years old. It is a passage or a rite into womanhood and manhood. There's a very poignant part of the service where they're seated with their parents here, and they they and their parents come up to the altar rail, and they're blessed. We lay our hands on them and say a prayer over them, and then when they get up and go back, their parents go over here, and they go and are seated with the youth group over here. There is a moment of departure, and the blessing of the life so far with their parents… Now, you and I both know they're going home to their parents, and you and I both know the phrase, while you're under my roof. But nevertheless, (laughs) they are being brought into a new place. It is hard to explain to a 13-year-old about nostalgia because they really haven't formed any yet. But it is easy to talk to them about the present and the future. And I always tell 13 to about 22, 23-year-olds to remember, I bless their nostalgia in the future, remember this time of your life because it will be the best time of your life probably. And it oftentimes is. Not always, but it oftentimes is. But they're making a transition. Today, in all three readings, we are back and forth and into the future. I'm going to do a great thing, but wait, remember this. I did this, but don't count that. I counted as loss. Now I'm going to do this. I press on toward the goal in the future. Oh, wait a minute. Remember Lazarus? He was raised from the dead, but Christ is here right now, yet we could have done this. By the way, 300 denarii in today's money. It's $460. We figured this out at the men's Bible study the other night. And that's not anything to laugh about 2,000 years ago. It's not anything to laugh about right now. I'd sell almost anything for $460. <laughs> almost. So, so, 
we all have in our lives the nostalgia. When you look back in your minds and you dwell there, after a certain period of time, it becomes your God for you. If you've spent 20 minutes daydreaming about your past life, you are going to a place where you have departed where God has called you to right here and right now to be in communion with Him and have gone somewhere else completely different. If you spend your time thinking about what's going to happen with my investments, which is an important thing, I'm not taking away from that, but if you spend eight hours on it, you're somewhere else. There was a bishop in the Church of England who said, when you're stripped of everything in your mind, everything's taken away and you have no troubles, nothing to worry about, everything, you have everything and you're in perfection, where does your mind go? Because where your mind goes, there is your God. If you're looking back on a love, that's different. Someone that you were in love with, that's different. That, you're close to the kingdom of God, and I won't take that away from you. But I implore you today, even though it sounds cliche, to be in the present with Jesus Christ right here, right now, in this very room, so that when you do walk forth in the future, which is only in the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes, that you will be present with Him there and can spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those people who are living in the present that hear it from you can be saved. And when you meet Him face to face in the person that is indigent, poor, that is Christ, you will know Him because you were there then. Amen.